And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast on The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, and I will soon be joined as I normally am by Ari Wasserman, but what you are currently listening to is a new intro to the podcast because we had to redo it after some news happened on Wednesday. We had an interview with Joshua Perry that you will still hear mostly in its entirety after this. We talked a little bit about the Ohio State versus Maryland game, which is now not happening because Maryland had a spike of COVID-19 cases within its program, had to shut down team activities, and the game on Saturday has been canceled. I think we all know what that means because of the situation that the Big Ten is in this year, trying to play nine games in nine weeks. That game will not be remade so it's a missed opportunity for ohio state hopefully we'll have a chance to talk with ryan day later this week about exactly what all that means and what the rest of this week looks like they are practicing on wednesday afternoon as i record this new intro Um, they still have the remaining remainder of their schedule in front of them Uh, i think it, it remains the same for ohio state win and you go to the big 10 title game and you go to the playoff because you're one of the best teams in the country but it's still a bummer that they're not playing this weekend um, because it could have been a fun game. It could have been a game that told us some stuff about Ohio State. And I wrote a little bit about this on The Athletic. You can go to theathletic.com slash four dash six to get subscribed and then read that story if you're not already already subscribed to The Athletic. But there'll be more to come off of that. Um, So apologies for this being a little bit of a weirder podcast, but I promise you the interview with Joshua Perry was still fun, still entertaining, Um, some stuff about the Big Ten as a whole, some stuff about Ohio State's defense, some stuff about whether Luke Fickle might coach at Michigan, and then some Urban Meyer stories uh, as well. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the interview with Josh and Ari, and I will talk to you guys later on. Very pleased to be joined on 4 to 6 with A&B by former Ohio State linebacker, now Big Ten Network analyst, has his own podcast. His, his bio, Twitter bio also says content creator and change maker. So I feel like he does a little bit of everything. And I fully expect him one day to be mayor of Columbus. Joshua Perry joins us on the podcast. Joshua, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? No, I'm great. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, mayor might be in the uh, crosshairs. I know it's a little bit tenuous politically right now. I'm hoping to infuse maybe some common sense into uh, just into the, the electorate. 
Well, when uh, when you get your campaign rolling, uh, make sure you, you stop back here with us, and we'll be happy to endorse you. Love it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Josh, can I ask you this just straight up? Ohio State's linebackers have been criticized quite a bit, as I'm sure that you've seen. Um, and sometimes maybe it's warranted and sometimes it's not. But I'm wondering, having excelled at that position and, and played at that position in the NFL and you knowing a lot more about the game than, than all of us combined, what is your actual assessment of the way guys like Tuff Borland and Pete Warner have played? Do you think that that is just the fun thing for fans to do because it's just what's in style right now? Or do you do you think that there is some you know, credence to how much criticism a lot of these guys get some of the time? Yeah, I just I feel like anytime something goes wrong defensively, if it's not like an obvious, uh, you know, coverage bust by a corner or safety, it's always the linebackers fault. And I mean, it's it's really easy to pick on them like linebackers are stuck in the middle. I'm a middle child. And so like I you know, you just everything you get it from one end and you get it from the other. And, you know, like. I don't know. So I, I feel like the, the linebacker is the literal middle child of the defense. And so when the D line, maybe, uh, you know, like if you're a, a, a nose tackler or three technique and you're supposed to pick off one of the offensive linemen and you don't get there, you don't get hands on that offensive lineman. They're able to climb directly up to the linebacker. Now it looks like the linebacker can't get off blocks and make the tackle when really it was the defensive lineman who was being selfish trying to make the play. Um, you know, if, if the quarterback can sit back there and hold the ball too long and you get a linebacker who's a man-to-man coverage, now all of a sudden they can't cover. And it's like, dude, I, 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 yes, I can cover. I can't cover for eight seconds, though. Um, when you have communication issues in the back end of a defense, sometimes that affects linebackers, passing off routes, all those different types of things. And then it makes it look like the LBs can't do their job. Um, what I'll say about Ohio State's linebacker group is, and I think the Penn State game, was the real example from this year. They they have a lot on their plate. They're asked to do as much as anybody on this defense is asked to do. Um, against Penn State, Penn State's offensive philosophy is to run RPOs. So um, the quarterback has the ability to hand the ball off, has the ability to keep the ball on a quarterback runner, has the ability to throw it. That is only to put stress on linebackers. It's the only people it messes with is linebackers or maybe if you got uh, safety playing over the slot or a nickel or whatever, but it's literally – for the linebackers. And I think our LBs did a great job. Um, they, they were on point making sure that they could dictate. And, and this is the fun thing about RPOs is you can dictate whether the ball is handed off or whether the quarterback keeps it. Um, they did a great job of giving the proper reads and then getting to where they were supposed to be. Um, they also did a great job of making sure that they weren't too aggressive getting downhill so they couldn't dump it off to the tight end right over the top for an easy gain, uh, making sure that they couldn't just throw the bubble pass out uh, to the slot for, you know, an in, in easy 10 yards because nobody was out there. Um, it, it causes linebackers to really have to play discipline and take the aggression off. But here's the other thing that stood out about the Penn State game is Pat Fryermuth, who's one of the best tight ends in the country. Matt Miller from, uh, you know, NFL Draft Scout. Everybody knows him. He has him as like either the first or second best tight end on one of the big boards that he just put out. Um, they had... Baron Browning and Pete Warner both playing straight up man to man on him. Uh, that's tough duty. And those guys did not get exposed. And they were both tried. Uh, there were two plays specifically. They took a shot at the end zone um, when Baron Browning was on him. Baron did a really good job, went up, knocked the ball down. There was another possession where uh, they got Pete Warner on Pat in the slot. And that was the initial read. Number one quarterback was looking there the whole way and Pat was covered. And so when I watch our linebackers play like that, and I watch how they're disciplined and they, they're 
they're put under stress and they rise to the occasion. Um, just as somebody who's watched the game and played the game, um, I understand how tough of a job that they have, and I think they're doing just fine. It's a, it's a totally thankless position now, right, isn't it? I, I, you, yeah, you say about I mean, offensive line and DBs, but now with the way offenses put linebackers in conflict, like you're you're going to be wrong a lot because that's like the nature of, of the position now. Yeah, I mean, the offense is, is built to make the linebackers wrong to a certain degree. Um, and, and the skill set for a linebacker now, too, has to be so vast because defensive coordinators are asking these guys to be able to rush the passer um, just like from the line of scrimmage, which is a tough – uh, a, a tough ability asking them to blitz from off of the line of scrimmage. Then they have to be able to play the run like a typical linebacker in the past responsibilities now are probably a little bit more complex than they've ever been. These guys have to be able to run and cover. Um, so you're absolutely right. Like I, I don't think a lot of people and, and not to say that linebackers don't get praised because they do, but I don't think people understand all of the responsibilities that are heaped on linebackers plate. And a lot of times these guys are the quarterback of the defense. So not only is it the physical strain, but mentally they have to be on point and have to set the defense. And if anybody's lined up wrong, they have to be able to correct them. And when there's motion, they have to be the guy who's calling the audible and just everything that happens pre-snap. And then all the stuff that happens post-snap, it's on the LBs. Hey, Josh, I'm uh, Mr. My, my nickname is Mr. Stars Matter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not, it's actually the stars not. do I, matter. That's what so. I'm hoping uh, uh, it turns into one day. But, you know, now that you're in this position with the Big Ten Network and you're breaking down the Big Ten, uh, you're an expert now on, on the entire league. I'm wondering, having played at Ohio State and, you know, having followed this program very closely afterward, can you put into perspective for the people who listen to the show? how big of a gap you see from top to bottom um, on this roster in comparison to some of these other teams. And, you know, do you think it's a, it's all recruiting? Do you think it's some development like based on, you know, your experience playing for urban Meyer and all like just in, put in perspective exactly what you might, you know, see in that regard. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a golf. Like it's, it's so wide. It's not even funny. Um, and I, I think when you're looking at expectations for big 10 teams, like, I don't know how many teams should have the expectation of like, we're going in to play Ohio state. Like our expectation is to win the game. Like I think the expectation is let's keep this game as close as possible heading into the fourth quarter and see what happens from there to be completely honest. And it's because of the talent deficit. And you'll look at some, some rosters throughout the big 10 and they'll have a couple of guys, right? Like, you know, Minnesota's got a guy at wide receiver and they've got, you know, a guy at running back. And you'll look at Purdue and they've got a couple of guys that wide out. Um, and, and, you know, you can go and you can do this exercise with all the Big Ten schools. And then you look at Ohio State and it's like, OK, they've got the guy at quarterback. They've got two of the guys at wide receiver. You know, they've got the guy playing in the secondary. Like you can you can it's not just they got a couple of guys like they've got the guy. Um, and I think that's the big difference. And, you know, like, I mean, you, you boil it down to this. You can go through on Ohio State's offense, and you can say, like, okay, so, like, who's going to stop Justin Fields when he's on point? Nobody's been able to thus far. Who's going to stop Chris Olave? Who's going to stop Garrett Wilson? And that's the difference. And even in the case of Chris Olave, which becomes an interesting one, right, stars matter. Oh, well, you know, he wasn't a very highly ranked guy. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he had to sit out uh, his junior year, which is big for evaluation. But even on the guys who aren't necessarily, like, the five-star guys – Ohio State does a better job than anybody else of finding maybe the underrated guy who's going to turn around and become a first round draft pick at wide receiver. So, yes, like I, I think stars matter and we see it. Ohio State recruits better 
than anybody else in the Big Ten Conference, as good as anybody in the country, and it shows because the games don't have to be close unless Ohio State makes them close. But even when you're looking at the guys who are maybe under the radar, Ohio State does a better job of evaluating under the radar guys than teams who need to find the under the radar guys because they can't get five stars. Um, and, and so, he, you know, you flip on the game and it's like, all right, well, is Garrett Wilson just going to not even catch the ball. He's going to run it for 63 yards. Like, tell me what you're going to do. Like, who's got a guy who can stop that? Nobody does. And Ohio State's got a bunch of guys on the roster who can do that same exact thing. And then people use the Chris Olaves of the world to illustrate why stars don't matter. Yeah, it's dumb. It's, it's, it's the outlier. It's like the, the <laughs> one scenario of the guy who is like not a very highly ranked recruit. And then it's like, okay, so what? Three out of the five starting offensive linemen are former five stars. You got a five star at quarterback. You've got uh, what? two, three, five-star receivers playing right now. Like, I'm really not trying to hear that. Like, the stars matter or else those guys wouldn't be at Ohio State. And then you fill in the class with – it can't be all five stars. So, yeah, there's going to be a three-star somewhere, but it's going to be it's going to be the best three-star out of all the three-stars. You just made Ari's day, I think. Uh, I, I like you, Josh. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's we, we've – I think we've had this conversation a little bit on Twitter. Like, people are so funny – and let me say this, Ohio State probably does as good of a job as anybody in the conference at developing players. But you can even ask Urban, like, who do you want to develop? Do you want to develop the three-star defensive end who's not super twitchy? Or do you want, you know, Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Zach Harrison? Like, it's easy to develop those guys because those guys are like super talented players. And I think that's where the, the you know, we can get into the conversation, but I'd, I'd rather take a roster full of five-star guys and then, you know, have to try to develop those and then three stars and, and really work my ass off, making sure that those guys can play. Uh, speaking, I guess, of, of the gap between Ohio state and the rest of the conference. And it does, it does feel like it's widening. Um, what is your, what are your thoughts, I guess, on what's happening at Michigan and Penn state at the moment? And which of those two situations do you think might be the most dire, I guess, if that's the right way to put it. So I think uh, Penn State's situation is more of an aberration. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, I do know what's wrong with them. It's their offensive line struggles to protect. They're down a couple of running backs, which really hurts. I mean, we can see from Ohio State's running back room what happens when um, you lose a guy like J.K. Dobbins and you replace them with like a, a, a couple of pretty good players, but they're not up to that level. Penn State, you know, they're, they're down their, their top two running backs. It's, it's really hard. And like I said, O-line struggling, then the quarterback's turning the ball over, and I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's making really bad decisions right now. Um, I love the grit that he plays with and everything. I think defensively, they're deflated. Uh, Micah Parsons being out absolutely does not help for them. Um, but they have recruited pretty well. And I personally like James Franklin as a coach. And I know he's a little bit polarizing for people, but I, I think that he's done a really good job this year of um, taking responsibility of what Penn State looks like on the field and not making excuses for it. He's like, we're, we're not there yet. We're not very good. That's my fault. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, for Michigan, boy, I, I think it's, it's a number of things. I think, and I hate to say this because I, I don't like to talk bad about players, but I think they have a little bit of a personnel issue. And what I mean by that is I don't think going into the New England area and trying to build your roster from there is a really good way to recruit. Like I, I played with guys from that area, two of my college roommates, Cam Williams, Armani Reeves, um, they're from Boston and they were like 
two of the best players out of the state of Massachusetts. And they come to Ohio State, and Armani plays a little bit, but Cam plays on special teams for four years. And I'm not saying that to disparage Cam because he was a a great player for us on teams, but it's to say that if, if if you're recruiting that area heavily, you're probably missing on some guys elsewhere. Uh, which doesn't work well for them. And then it's the stubbornness of the defensive coordinator to not shift the scheme a little bit to fit the personnel. It's been bombs over Baghdad mm-hmm. on Michigan secondary. And those cats, it's either a 10, 20, 30 yard pass behind them, or it's a pass interference call. And it's on schedule. Like we joked around in the green room a little bit because it was almost like, okay, like which one is it going to be flip a coin? Is it going to be a big pass player? Is it going to be a pass interference? And it's not those, it's not the player's fault. Like I would, and and this is, I bet you like some of the players want to say it. I don't know if they, they feel comfortable enough to say it to their coordinator, but like we would talk to our coaches and be like, coach, you can't keep calling that. Like you, you can't put us in that position because we, we can't play defense very well when you make that call and our coaches were like, okay, well, if the players are telling us it's not a good call, I don't care how good it looks on paper. It's not a good call. And we wouldn't do it. So I think it's, it's a little bit of a um, older defensive coordinator who's been around the block and is, is very committed to how he's, he's done things because it's been successful in the past and you can't fault him for that coupled with maybe the personnel that doesn't fit that scheme. Um, but I mean, that is a real issue because I haven't even talked about the offense yet because <laughs> <laughs> offensively their, their line lost like four or five starters and they were down guys um, last Saturday. So it was like all five guys were just like inexperienced. Um, couldn't run the ball. They rushed for 13 yards against Indiana. I'm going to say that one more time. They rushed for 13 yards against Indiana back when I was playing in the big 10, not all that long ago, Indiana could not spell defense. They couldn't spell it. <laughs> And Michigan could not run the ball, which is an issue. But that turns into an issue on the back or on for the quarterback because now it becomes predictable. It's like, okay, these guys can't run the ball. So now we're going to pin our ears back. We're going to rush a quarterback who is inexperienced up to this point and gets flustered, very flustered when he's under pressure and won't go through his reprogression. He'll try to flush out of the pocket. And we know that he's not necessarily a great passer when he's on the run. And that's how you get into these issues. And I don't think Joe Milton and any iteration of any offense needs to be throwing the ball 50 plus times a game, but that's where they're at right now because that's all they can do to try to be successful. It is a, um, a bad situation. And I think that the roster that exists there is better than what they're, they're doing right now. I honestly think the offensive coordinator is better than what the offense looks like. I think the D coordinator has had success in the past. So I can't tell you what the problem is, but there are problems there. I think the problem is personnel. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And speaking of that, can we just talk about recruiting already? I've just been like holding it in. Oh, no, wait. I have, I have, I have one follow-up question All right, go ahead, before bro. we do that. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, know, I don't know if Michigan is heading for a coaching change. I would imagine they're not, at least not yet. But hypothetically... I want to throw this at you, Joshua. Luke Fickle, Michigan head coach. It'd be interesting. (laughs) It would be interesting. I don't know. So Luke, Luke is one of the, the great guys in the profession. He likes to do things the right way. He gives a damn about players. He gives a damn about his coaching staff, Um, spent time down at Cincinnati with him and his staff and his players. And it's, it's a wonderful, it's a, a wonderful culture they got down there. Um, Luke was the same way when he was at Ohio State. Cared about everybody who was on staff, cared about every player top to bottom throughout the program. He was there for a long time. He turned down a lot of opportunities to be a coordinator elsewhere, turned down some head coaching opportunities before he went to Cincinnati. He has turned Cincinnati into a bit of a destination. They're winning recruiting battles against teams from the SEC. Um, He's got it exactly where he wants it. He can win 10, 11, 12 games a year, conference champ, be in that conversation of, hey, can they be the, the non-power five to be in the college football playoff? He comes to Michigan. He's got to recruit against Michigan State, which I think he could out-recruit them. He's got to recruit against Penn State, which that would be crowded because you got Maryland, who does a really good job recruiting in that kind of DMV area that Penn State likes to recruit as well. Um, Ohio State's in there. So you got to recruit against them head to head. You got to recruit against Ohio State head to head. I don't know if Luke wants to put himself in that situation. And then you have to you have to think about where Michigan is in the Big Ten right now, and where Penn State is and can be, and where Ohio State has been and will continue to be. And say, can I be the guy who defies the odds and can win those two games plus our in-state rivalry game every year? so I can head to Indianapolis and give my, my team a chance. And I don't think you can consistently say, yes, he could do that. I see Luke as more of a fit for like a Notre Dame if that job ever opened up. I think he, he would like it. He's a Catholic guy. Um, that would make sense because, you know, they, they play a pretty heavy ACC schedule and they've got some other games in there I feel like, you know, he, he'd be able to deal with. But coming to the Big Ten and the Big Ten East and going to – his bitter rival, which I've, I've heard the way he talks about that school, and it's not necessarily nice. <laughs> um, and then having to face all those challenges, man, I think it's difficult. 
I think that was all very well thought out, but my answer to that question always is he's too much of a Buckeye. You wouldn't do it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's everything he is. He's, he's the ultimate Buckeye, but I'm, I'm saying like, you know, if, if they're saying, Hey, we'll, we'll give you eight, $9 million a yeah. year. You put that, take the Buckeye hat off for a second. You start thinking through the scenario, <laughs> like, what are my chances here? <laughs> because I mean, $8 million is a lot of money. He's got six kids, man. You know, you got to get it how you live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always thought like, and, and I, I don't know if I've ever articulated this on this podcast, but not that I don't think he would be, I think he's the home run hire, like on paper, he would be the person that I would back up the brink truck for, but I don't know if it's one thing to, to hate Michigan and, you know, having coached at Ohio state and whatever, and then played there and all the things that we already know, but it's another thing too, to go there, risk failure, and then yeah. also not know who your identity is in three years, if you're not the coach there anymore. Well, and if he fails there, doesn't that put him basically out of getting the Ohio state job for a little while, if it ever came open to yeah. like, that's the other thing you got to think about. I'll ask you guys this. I'll ask a question real quick. So Luke fickle, we thrown out there. Um, you, you see different names um, like Brent Venables, which I don't think is a fit at all. Um, you know, I don't think he fits that Michigan man. Our, our guys don't take online classes thing. Um, one name that I think is really interesting, and I don't even know if it's really on the table, but if I were Michigan, I'd probably kick the tires. Jeff Halfley, what do you think? Yeah, we um, talked about that on the last episode, right, Ari? Um, I think I, I, I'm always hesitant to um, kind of anoint people like the next greatest thing based off a very small sample size, but he's done a great job there. And I do think he has inroads at the necessary recruiting areas already to, to do a good job at Michigan. Um, and he's clearly a good, good, you know, X's and O's kind of game day coach. So um, I would hire him. I think I'd rather have Luke than him. But yeah, if you were getting if you were getting down the rung a little bit, um, I would consider him for sure. Yeah, I mean, I my take has always been if that is the if that's one of the options, that's one of the the ten or so names in college football that I would take right now over Jim Harbaugh. Um, I don't know <laughs> if he's the ideal fit, but sure. I whenever I hear people say who are we going to get instead of Jim Harbaugh? I'm like, okay, here's 15 people that I can come up with on the top of my head <laughs> that might take the, and I'm not, it's not, I'm just saying Jim Harbaugh was a great bridge coach. He brought them from out of the dumpster and brought them back up to nine, 10 wins. But Jeff Halfley is a young, good looking, charismatic guy who can go into any living room and recruit. Yeah. He has a Ohio state background for long enough where he has the yeah. cachet, but isn't long enough like Luke where it's like ingrained into his DNA. Yep. Um, he is a good coach from what we understand in terms of like X's and O's ability he made and was part of Ohio State's best defense statistically, maybe in the history of the program. Um, and he can recruit really good players. So yeah. I, I and probably has inroads in, in places where Michigan's going to have to recruit. And I've always thought that the Michigan man thing was dumb. I, yeah, I go get I somebody, <laughs> go get somebody that isn't a Michigan man, but make him into one. I mean, yeah. Bo Schembechler wasn't a Michigan man when he was born and he turned into one. He yeah. created the whole thing. No, so I feel it. You know, so I, is- I don't know if he's the ideal candidate, but I would absolutely take him and a number of other people, including Luke Fickle, to take the program over from this point forward and to make it better than what it is now, because I think it's hit its ceiling under Jim Harbaugh. There's no identifiable recruiting strat- identifiable recruiting strategy. The assistant coaches are um, not putting their team in the best position to win. And their offense hasn't progressed out of the, the stone age. And yeah, I know that Gaddis deal. is trying to move it, move it into that right direction and things are getting better, but you know, does anybody have any confidence whatsoever in the current regime, putting this team into the playoff? If the answer is no, you're paying eight and a half million dollars to do this. Why not take a risk and get somebody else who's some new blood that might be able to put them over the top. All right. So I got, I got a couple things to say 
on that. So I'll start with Halfley. Is it the thing that I think that Halfley would bring, and I've talked to players at Ohio State, I also know guys in the league that played for him. Players love him. And one thing that you hear from Michigan's program is it's not like it's not an exciting place to play, if that makes sense. Like it's a very, you know, put your hard hat and lunch, bring your lunch pail type of atmosphere for players. And I think that really weighs on you. And especially when you're not having success, um, I think that becomes difficult. And then the other thing that you said, too, is like there's there is a plan for recruiting. And that's huge. Um, because I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know if Michigan really has one. Um, but here's a question I ask about that program, not to get too far into it, but I think like the last time they won or shared a big 10 conference championship was 2004. Joe Milton would have been four years old at the time. That's their current starting quarterback. Like, is there, is there any, do we have any evidence that they should be in the playoff conversation at all? just based off of how it's gone for the last two decades, essentially. Yeah. That, that's where I always am with them. Like I, I don't, I think Ari has a higher opinion of the program than I do that. And I, I think it's fine to aspire to be what Ohio state is, but they've never been that historically throughout the entire history of their program, at least not within the last 30 years. Um, so no, I, I don't, I, I don't even know if they get the right guy. I still don't know if they're a program that can quite get to that level. The thing I don't understand um, about this discussion and when people say um, what Bill just said, and that's obviously the normal take because success has to dictate what the uh, ceiling of the program is eventually, because you can't just live in 1965 and say that that's what today is. You got to take the stats, but the thing I can't get past Josh and you tell me having played in this rivalry is this is a rivalry and the goal of a rivalry is to be as competitive with your rival as possible and to sure. win that game. And if Ohio state has gotten up to this upper echelon top three position in college football, in large part, because of what urban Meyer built um, and you helped build and Michigan doesn't feel like it's up to the task of matching that, then this isn't a rivalry anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and then maybe it's not. And, and, and I wrote that after the Michigan game last year and people, some people agreed and some people got very angry, but yes. if Michigan wants to tap out and say, you know what, Jim Harbaugh is the guy that's got us to the nine ten win plateau and we're going to get what we get, then let's stop treating this game. Like it's some sort of even match. Okay. And maybe, maybe that's so far gone now, but I think that the expectations have always have to be at Michigan with the facilities that they have, the education that they're offering, the uniforms that they have, the stadium that they play in, the region of the country, the proximity to Ohio, um, the tradition of the program, the amount of money and resources that university has, not only for the coach, but for the the renovations, the additions to the football building, recruiting budget, all the things that you need to be successful. There's no reason why this team shouldn't be at least in the top six and competitive. I'm not saying they're going to turn into Alabama or Clemson or even Ohio State, but there's no reason why that team can't field something that Penn State's fielded, and that's a competitive football team. They're not even competitive. Yeah, no, no I, I definitely – I'm with you on that. I just – I feel like they are – I think they view as a university and as an athletic department, they would view themselves differently than the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Ohio States. And I think that's a part of the issue too, is like, I, and, and it's wild. Ohio state has, has had success playing football, while also becoming a, um, a better academic school at the same time. And so it's like two things can happen at once, but I, I really do think that, they are married to the idea 
of, you know, like they're, they are Northwestern and they are Notre Dame and they are Stanford. Like they're married to that idea. And I feel like it, it really like that hurts a little bit when you're trying to recruit elite talent. Like, you know, you can't, you you know, like, I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's a whole different mentality there. I feel like they've put themselves in shackles in a way that a lot of these other schools have allowed themselves to flourish because they've said, we're, we're going to be a little bit more player focused, right? So like our, when we recruit, our thing is everything we can do for the player. And it really does exist. Like, I think that's where Ohio state has the edge is like a part of their recruiting pitch is like, yeah, the average ACT to get in here is a 29. However, uh, we know your, your son isn't going to get a 29 in the ACT, ACT. So these are all the things we can do to make him become successful academically. So he can leave a school where a bunch of smart kids go and, and are successful and have that same academic success. And one day it sets you up where Michigan's like, well, you know, we're, we're a great university um, and our football players all major in the same six things. And one of those things is general studies and they can't take online classes. It's like, okay, I'm not going there because like your mentality is completely different than everywhere else where they're like, no, we're going to be player focused, not what works for the university best. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I think that the academic thing makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that I've heard that online classes at times are actually very demanding and they are really more, they're rough. <laughs> they're really more uh, in place to be um, schedule friendly for the player than it is about application of, of challenge. But the thing that I don't understand about that whole thing, and then I, I really want to ask you some questions about your recruitment before we go, but I wanted to just sure. say one last thing. Michigan offered 19 out of Ohio State's 25 commitments last year. Sure. How many of Ohio State's players percentage-wise in the last 10 recruiting classes do you think Michigan would have taken? 85 to 95%? So if they still want to take those, like you're telling me they wouldn't have taken Jeff Okuda? No, <laughs> I'm, I get it. They can still take those players. And I don't know if it's a sales pitch problem or or, or uh, we're the Harvard of the Midwest. Pro- I, I don't know. All I know for sure is that they recruit five-star and high-end four-star players at times, and they don't get them. And it's not because they have a good academic institution. So it's because let me, they don't let me have ask you this, though. Strategy. Let me ask you this, because you would know better than me, because I'm, I'm not super in tune to the recruiting thing. But, like, doesn't everybody offer – all those guys though, like how hard are they actually recruiting them? Like what do, is it to a point where they, they offer them because they know they have to offer them, but like, are they, you know, like 
are guys really taking the visits or are they really showing up to their high schools right. and all those different things? Like, I don't, I don't, and again, like you said, it might be the recruiting pitch that's just absolutely trash. The other part of it too, and you said it earlier is like, okay, am I going to go to the side of the rivalry that gets their ass beat every year? Or am I going to go uh, to the side that is going to compete for a national title? And there's so much to it, but it's, I mean, I don't know, man. There's only 25 spots in every class. You know, there's a lot of really good players. And, you know, I think they make a good point. You know, offering somebody doesn't mean that you're going to take him. And, of course. But what I do know is that the offers that they have out there to these five-star prospects are committable offers. Whether or not they're in play to get these guys is their own problem. You know, and I know that, like, you know, sometimes people just offer things just to make sure that, everybody knows that they're recruiting everybody and trying their best to, to be involved. But if they're not in, in the conversation to get Jeff Okuda's of the world, then that's the problem. And you need yeah. to hire somebody who can use the academic um, standard there as a plus, because there's a lot. I mean, you don't think Harry Miller would have been a take there. Yeah. All I've seen all week is a story about how stories about how smart Harry Miller is and how brilliant he is and how he can bend time with his mind and like the video that Ohio State put out. And he's a very yeah. bright kid. You don't think that that Michigan was wild. That kid? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, so let me I, I know I'm, I'm just doing all the damn interviewing now. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Come on, I'm, you're showing. I'm, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> I, so this this committable, non-committable offer thing like that doesn't even make sense in my little brain. There's no such thing as a non-committable offer to a five-star prospect. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> to a five-star, yeah, <laughs> or top 200 player, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, some coaches play that game where they, you know, offer a prospect a, um, an offer. It says they have an offer on the recruiting profile, and then when they go try to commit, then either they take them or they don't based on who they like on their board better. And you know, Ohio State plays that game too, where they might not. They might offer somebody or they might not offer somebody. And depending on where they are, they're either ready to take that commitment or they're not. And, you know, that's the reality of it. But when you start talking about the top 250 players in each class, which is what uh, Michigan should be recruiting in order to compete with Ohio State and to beat Penn State and Michigan State consistently and put themselves in a position to win the Big Ten East, they're just not doing it. And they have a pipeline of players who are flipping out of Massachusetts to BC to play for Halfley. So, you know, I mean, every, every angle that you can try to play with this, whether it be academic or whether it be, you know, who they're offering or non-compatible, the problem is they're coming up short in every single angle of this. And they need to get yeah. somebody who can kind of turn that into um, positive for them. And I think that, you know, and I've said this before, Jim Harbaugh is just an odd guy. And I just feel like even, even if you like him, and I'm not, I don't know the man personally, but even if you like him, you're still going to ice, you know, you're still going to, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not, not everybody's going to like you. Um, and that's yeah. the one thing I, I hopefully want to like take to, to ask you this next question, because you played for urban and I, I bet you urban's like that too, <laughs> or, you know, you're going to, you know, some people aren't going to like you because you're an intense guy. What was your, give me the best recruiting story about how Urban recruited you to Ohio State and how did you know that it was going to be a slam dunk? You were a top 150 player, man. And I says yeah. you only have four offers. That's not true either, I bet. No. Um, it, well, it was kind of true. So I'll, I'll tell this story. It's, it's a story that a lot of people probably aren't too aware of. Urban never recruited me. That's the story. So <laughs> I was recruited by JT's old staff, Luke Fickle and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Tavor Johnson and, and uh, you know, just Daryl Hazel was like, you know, the central Ohio guy, whatever. Um, so I was recruited by all of them. This was toward the end of my freshman year in high school. Um, and I was, you know, 
a kind of like a little bit of a known thing, but I hadn't played varsity football. Um, so, you know, I was taking visits and uh, kind of through my sophomore year, I, you know, like I was used to be a smart guy. So like I took visits to Duke and Vanderbilt and, you know, went to Northwestern and Notre Dame. Oh, you were one of the smart prospects that still didn't pick Michigan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was smart enough to realize what that was going to be. So I, I avoided it. Um, but so I had offers from some of those schools like Michigan State, whatever, um, Cincinnati. Um, and, and I went to camp at Ohio State after my sophomore football season. So um, here's the other thing, too. Um, I was all state in track and field two years. I didn't run my senior year because I came in early. I was an all state long jumper. So like all of the coaches came out and they would watch me run track and they would come to my meets and stuff. Um, during the spring because like that's where they got to see me be an athlete um, but I went to camp I had a really good day at camp um, you know like Warren Ball was there and he was a you know pretty high-ranked recruit and uh, like Briante Dunn and some of those other running backs and like I had a great day against them and I got a, an offer at camp um, after my sophomore year and I committed on the spot and then I literally shut down my recruiting I would not answer the phone the only school that I, I left, uh, I kept in communication with, with Stanford, um, just in case anything happened with, you know, the tattoo gate thing. Um, and, you know, they were going to come down hard with sanctions. I would have been out. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and I would have gone to Palo Alto and played some ball there and got a really nice degree and probably be um, selling Silicon Valley real estate instead of central <laughs> Ohio real estate. But that's a different story for a different day. You would be such a high shareholder in Apple right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's exactly what would have happened. I'd be over there <laughs> finding Google execs homes and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was it. And so fast forward to that. Um, basically didn't talk to anybody my junior year, my senior year. I graduated early. I enrolled that first off season. I was there was urban's first off season on campus, 2012. Um, so five days into my tenure at Ohio state urban, uh, he's uh, walking down the hallway. He's walking past me. He said, uh, Joshua, I need to talk to you. I was like, all right, pulls me off to the side. And he said, uh, I just want to let you know that if I was still coaching at Florida, I would have never recruited you to play for me. And I was like, <laughs> so, okay. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I don't think you're twitchy enough. He's like, I don't see the burst. He's like, I don't think you're a good enough player. He's like, I would never recruited you there. He's like, I, I said, he's like, I don't know if you belong here. And I was like, well, um, okay then. So I'm 17, like five days into my Ohio state experience. And like one of the best recruiters to ever recruit a player was like, you suck. I would have never brought you to the school where I won two national titles. And I was like, all right, well, I got a little bit of work to do. So I, I put the work in and y'all probably have seen like the before and after photos where, you know, I was getting swole with Mickey. Um, and I changed my body and I changed my mind and I changed my attitude and everything and was able to become a, a pretty good player. But um, yeah, I mean, Urban never recruited me, never wanted me. The old staff saw the beauty in me. Luke Fickle, uh, you know, he's he's the one who will find the hidden gems. He's the one, you know, find a guy like Darren Lee. He's the one who will believe in a skinny neck kid from Lewis Center, Ohio, you know, three car garage. We don't recruit suburban kids because they're soft thing, you know, saw all through it and, and brought me to Ohio State. When Urban gets hired, uh, Joshua, or, and you're, <clears throat> I guess you're not quite, you're not quite in college just yet, but you're about to be. When that when that happens, are you excited about the about the opportunity to play for Urban Meyer, or you hear sometimes that Urban can be intimidating and not everyone's cut out to play for him? 
are you thinking like, oh, maybe maybe I should look somewhere else because this is not the Ohio State that I signed up for? I, I never really intended on looking anywhere else, but you definitely hear some of the stories like, you know, people at school will be like, oh, yeah, you know, I heard at Florida it was like this and it was like that or whatever. I'm like, all right. And I actually did go down to meet him uh, with my father and my high school coach um, one day like after they announced that he was hired or whatever. And, you know, he's doing the little recruiting thing. Oh yeah. Oh, oh you're one of our guys. Oh, I'm super excited. And he's probably like, who the hell is this guy? Um, and, and so, but for me, it was always, I was going to be a Buckeye. I don't think it really would have mattered who the coach was going to be. Um, I feel like Ohio state's a place that is, is naturally set up to, be a perennial contender, um, you know, being from central Ohio was really easy to make that decision. And then um, I also felt like my prospects as an Ohio State linebacker would line up well to play in the league one day uh, at the same time, being a graduate of the Ohio State University in Columbus would also set up well for me to have a successful professional career doing something else. Um, and so it was never really about who was going to coach me it was always about the school josh how because i know we want to ask a little bit about you and the success that you're having a are you enjoying working at the big 10 network and can you put in perspective too um having such a rec- recognizable name and having won a national title at ohio state and stuff how you know being on this podcast and having your own podcast and being on the big 10 network and you know all the things that come with your name how that has helped you um sell real estate and how it has helped your brand as a person and as a businessman in the community, you know, moving forward post football. Yeah. So I, uh, I love my media job. First off, it's, it's a fun job. It's what everybody wants to do is, you know, sit around and talk sports and I get paid to do it. And people actually listen to my stupid ass opinion. It's fantastic. Um, but it's, it's been super enjoyable. And I'll say like, that's one thing I I didn't realize coming in that Ohio state was going to help with, but Uh, we got a lot of guys in media because we're a big national brand. There's always media around our program and our guys are put in front of microphones from day one on campus. And you have to learn how to present and and have to have a valuable opinion. And that's, I think that's one of the things our guys actually lack a little bit is like, we're so tight about, you know, don't give out information. And I know now as a guy on the other side, it's like, yeah, you don't have to give us a game plan, but like, you can give us a little bit, like just give us a little taste. But, um, No, just being in a a situation where I had to interact with media, I think really set me up for it. Um, This opportunity came out of the blue. This was never something that I ever really intended to do. Like my plan was to uh, play in the league as long as possible, retire from that, um, and then just sell as much real estate as possible. And my agent reached out to me and said that BTN wanted to bring me in for an audition. I was like, all right, cool. Um, I went in, I auditioned with no expectations of anything except for just to kind of be on their radar. And I walked out of the studio that Saturday with them, like getting my travel accommodations ready for the season. Like it happened that quickly. They said I did a great job Um, and I've enjoyed it since they're great. They've helped develop me. They gave me really good feedback when I asked for it, all that kind of stuff. Um, The radio thing here in Columbus is great. Doing podcasting is fantastic. I've got a couple of other things in the hopper. We talked about one of them before we came on air. I uh, won't speak too much about, and then another really cool project I'm working on too. Um, so hopefully we'll have some cool new media for everybody coming out. Um, 
but definitely the the branding is the key and that's the crossover i was in jersey mike's on monday and this guy in in line in front of me was like hey guys everybody turn around we got a celebrity in the house and i was like super embarrassed but um you know being a, a central ohio kid who lives back in the community where he grew up in who is on television and played at ohio state and everything um it definitely helps the brand and so for me like I have a reach where now folks will like see my face and they'll recognize me, which helps obviously in the media space, but with real estate, everything is basically branding. Um, the reach helps on Instagram. Cause like I'll post a daggone like real estate meme, like once a month and I'll get like basically two new clients off of just posting a real estate meme. <laughs> it's just like, I know a lot of people like consistently post every day and they can't do that, but it's, it's, it's a part of, but the flip side of that too is like, I can't, you know, I can't be out at the bars acting like an asshole. And, um, you know, like I can't get into to Twitter beef the way that I really want to, uh, to protect the brand, but it's, it's been Not a supposed blessing. To get into Twitter beef. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I look, I'll, I'll take the shots when they come, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not actively looking for the beef, but I will say too, like not to blow smoke at anybody, but it's, it's folks like you two who covered me, uh, when I was in school and allowed me to have a platform then and gave me, um, you know, some credence and some recognizability is what really boosted my career. Because if nobody ever asked me for a soundbite when I was playing at Ohio State, I surely wouldn't be at BTN right now. So, um, you know, like I, I don't forget those things. And I, I'm very appreciative. Like Jerry Emig's one of my guys now because, you know, like he would he'd be like, JP, you want to go out there and do some media? I'll get you a sandwich. I'm like, man, I would have done it. Uh, even if you weren't getting me the sandwich for the exposure, but like everybody who looked out and then all the people who like wrote the articles and like, you know, put the, the, the nice little quote in there that made me sound like a smart guy who knew what the hell I was talking about. Like that was all important in the journey too. Well, I think I speak for, for Ari and, and definitely everyone else, I think, who, who got to cover you when you were at OSU um, and saying we always appreciate it, uh, Joshua, how, how thoughtful you were when you did talk to us. And clearly uh, that's continued now here. I hope people got that out of our, our discussion here. We won't keep you any longer. We uh, really appreciate you being so generous with your time. Uh, again, uh, folks should go uh, check out Joshua's podcast, uh, watch him on BTN, buy a house from him. Uh, yeah, just just keep just Just keep uh, – <laughs> Keep following yeah. Joshua because no, uh, he the was bills paid is what you want. Yeah, yeah. Help, help, the man, help the man pay his bills. Uh, <laughs> successful at Ohio State and, and clearly uh, successful now. So, Joshua, thanks so much for joining us and sharing some of your insight. We really appreciate it. Appreciate no, it. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever want to have me back, I'll definitely do it. Cool. Cool.